Hi everybody, it's Jason here. It's that time of year again for my top five books of the year. So if you're new to my channel, every year I have a top five books of for every year, usually books based around Eastern spirituality and philosophy, obviously, if, you, if you're familiar with my channel. Even though sometimes there are some books related to Eastern spirituality and philosophy, such as cognitive science and maybe like something like anthropology or evolution or something that may relate to Eastern spirituality and philosophy that may pop into the top five. But this year, it is purely books based on Eastern spirituality and philosophy. So I hope you enjoy. I read many good books this year, actually. And these are just the top five I have read this year. And it's so hard to put these in order because like any of these could be number one. But I put them in a particular order just based on the way I feel about the books at this moment. And I highly recommend any of these five books for any of you out there who are interested in Eastern spirituality and philosophy to take your understanding of the great traditions a little bit deeper. So let's get into the top five. The first book is called The Seven Secrets of Shiva by Devdut Patnaik. Now, Devdut is a very controversial author in India. A lot of Hindus don't like uh, Devdut. Uh, because he has written some books that may elaborate on the great traditions, especially Hinduism. And, you know, he, his Twitter feed is, is quite a spectacle. And a lot of people have, you know, a bad opinion of him because he has this Twitter feed where he may troll people and troll, you know, just the general populace. Uh, but he, he even said he does it in, you know, good humor and good taste because he finds the whole sort of Twitter sphere a little bit ridiculous and so forth and so on. But as you know me, I don't like to judge someone just based on the way that they behave, you know, online and uh, authors and that that behave like that online. So uh, there's usually an underlying motive for them. And that's a whole different conversation. My focus is the actual work that they produce. And this book, The Seven Secrets of Shiva, is an amazing book. As you all know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Shiva and Shaivism and have been around the tradition for a few, over a decade. And this is an amazing book. And now, Devdut is often described as the Joseph Campbell of our times. So he's very uh, well-versed in mythology. He understands symbology, stories, especially related to Hinduism. And so... This book goes into the symbology of Shiva, like if we look at the Shiva Lingam, we look at these sorts of symbols, he decodes these for us to have a deeper understanding of Shiva and even Brahman. And he explains a lot of these Sanskrit terms in relation to symbology and the, the myths that underlie, that underlie the tradition. And so I highly recommend this book, The Seven Secrets of Shiva. And don't be too perturbed about maybe the, his reputation online or other books that he may have written. He has written many great books that are on point and The Seven Secrets of Shiva is one of them. And this actually makes up a, a trinity of books, a trilogy of books, the Hindu Trinity series, which this one is uh, obviously The Seven Secrets of Shiva and then he has The Seven Secrets of the Goddess and then he has The Seven Secrets of Vishnu. So, you know, the three main pillars of Hinduism and it's really interesting because he he gets into some of the differences between Shiva the goddess and Vishnu in this book. So I highly recommend this book for any of you.
Now, the next book I want to talk about is the Mandukya Upanishad or the Mandukya Karaka. Now, the Mandukya Upanishad uh, is one of the most important texts bar none. If you want to understand spirituality in general or just understand your place in the universe, this is one of the most important texts in the world. And it's very difficult for me not to put this at number one. Now, this is uh, translated by Swami Nikilananda. I've fallen in love with Swami Nikilananda. And don't be surprised if you see another one of his books land in this top five. But this translation of the Mandukya Upanishad, you, know, you got to remember that this is not just a translation of the Mandukya Upanishad, I have to clarify. We would call this the Mandukya Karaka. Now, the Mandukya Karaka is Gaudapada, who was Shankaracharya's teacher's teacher, so like his grandfather teacher, uh, made a commentary on this, a karaka. And Swami Nikolananda actually translates Gaudapada's karaka in this and also Shankara's commentary on the Mandukya Upanishad. And it's very important, this text, because uh, you're not just reading the Mandukya Upanishad, like the, the brief Mandukya Upanishad. You're actually reading, it's more about the commentary of Gaudapada and Shankara. And it's, it ju it'll just blow you away. This text will just blow you away. It's one of the most important texts in the world. Now, I've read a few different versions of the Mandukya Upanishad or the Mandukya Karaka. But when I landed on this one with Swami Nikolananda, I mean, it was an end game for me. He's, in my eyes, one of the greatest scholars on Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta that I've I've ever read. So I highly recommend this text. And if you want to know the nature of your being, the nature of your existence, the nature of the universe's existence, this is the book for you to read. Now, the next book that we're going to look at is Zen, the Authentic Gate by Kunyamada or Kunyamada Roshi. And now this is a wonderful book. Zen the Authentic Gate. If you actually want to know anything about Zen, this is where you need to go. And this is one of the most simplified texts I've ever read on understanding not just the basics of Zen, but understanding the deeper elements of Zen. That's why this text is usually recommended for beginners, but also for advanced practitioners of uh, who, are, who are familiar with Zen and have been engaged in Zen practice and Zazen for long periods of time. Now, Kunya Madaroshi was the leader of the Sanbo Zen tradition. Now, Sanbo is, is kind of a, a tradition that grew out of both Rinzai and Soto Zen. So it has both elements of Soto and Rinzai Zen within the tradition. And Kunya Mada himself was a very interesting, interesting individual. Actually, for those of you who have been uh, on the channel for a long time would know last year the book that was number one last year non-duality by david loy david loy was actually a student of kunyamada so you know we have a kind of a bit of a thread there where we have david loy which was book of the year last year actually non-duality and now we have send the authentic gate by kunyamada and this is just an amazing text. Like I said, anything you want to know about Zen, you can know. Like it says on the back, there's three questions. Why practice Zen? What sets it apart from religion? What are its different practices? You will find out in this book. Highly recommend this book. 
go out and grab yourself a copy. Now, the next text, number two, is this. Now, I told you Swami Nikolananda will make another appearance in this top five, and here it is. This is the Atma Bodha, self-knowledge. Uh, it's, a, it's a text by Shankaracharya, or Shankara, for those who are not familiar with that terminology. And Sh Shankara being one of the great Advaita Vedanta uh, teachers, along with Gaudapada, this is absolutely an amazing text. Like uh, Swami Nikolananda's translation of, of the Atma Bodha is amazing. Now, Atma Bodha here, as it says, means self-knowledge. Now, Shankaracharya explains in this book that you can practice devotion and like say bhakti yoga and karma yoga and so forth and so on. And that's all well and good. But if you don't understand jnana, if you don't understand jnana yoga, self-knowledge, the knowledge of the Atman within you is identical with Brahman. If you don't have that self-knowledge of that undifferentiated consciousness and that non-dual reality that, that we're all a part of and that you come back into resonance with when you go through deep contemplation and meditation, then you still haven't sort of figured out the game, even though you practice bhakti yoga, karma yoga, uh, so forth and so on. This is why the Atma Bodha is very important because Shankaracharya explains uh, how to come back into self-knowledge now self-knowledge here again self not uh, think of yourself as a person think of yourself as atman beneath the jiva the undifferentiated consciousness and so i will have a, a, a lot of videos coming up about this text probably a few episodes of sacred word unpacking a few of the deeper elements of some of the passages within this book but why i've got this at, actually at number two is not just a translation but also the introduction by swami nikolananda which is a long translation, which, which runs at about 130 pages, something around that region, is like a complete discourse on Advaita Vedanta and the non-dual reality of existence. It's an absolute amazing introduction. And that's why I put it actually in number two, because the introduction is just like a, uh, like a teaching in itself in and of itself from Swami Nikolananda. You could tell that he had imbibed a lot of the the great knowledge from the masters before us and from the great traditions. And so to pay credit where it's due, then that's why he's a number two. And again, it pains me not to put it at number one, but you know, you have to, for the sake of a top five, you have to do these things. And so without further ado, the number one text is the Wahu Ching. So the later teachings of Lao Tzu. Now, I absolutely love this translation of the Wahu Ching by Hua Ching Ni. Now, Hua Ching Ni is an amazing Taoist teacher. And actually, a few of his students have reached out to me um, because of the work I do and, you know, have thanked me for covering this text. But I absolutely love this text, to be honest with you. And, and I said in one of my videos on the Sacred Word where I covered a, a passage in this about reincarnation that this almost stands alongside the Tao Te Ching, but it depends on, you know, if you're a, if you're a Taoist purist, maybe you're not going to think that. But the, it it goes into so many deep elements and is sort of an extension of the Tao Te Ching. It really is. The problem that a lot of people have with this text, especially Taoist purists, is that it delves into things like reincarnation and other elements 
that are more closely tied to Buddhism. And so a lot of people then think that this is more of a combination of Buddhism and Taoism, and then the text was just uh, created and, and cloaked with a, covered with a Taoist covering. And so that's, uh, it's really just a combination of uh, Buddhism and Taoism, and there's a lot of doubts that it actually came from Lao Tzu or, or who or whatever we perceive Lao Tzu to be, because you know obviously there's there's a perception that Lao Tzu as an individual, as a man, didn't exist. It was more of a group or you know a, a, a certain natural society. That's beside the point. But who or whatever the Lao Tzu was before, then there's a lot of doubt that this text came from him or them. But I don't share those sorts of concerns because I read the text purely for what it is. And the text is, it's just amazing. It's, it's like, it's num sitting at number one for a reason for, for myself. It's one of the best texts I've read this year. And one of the best texts I've read in general, th this specific translation, watching need what, what he does, I think better than the other translations of the, the Wahoo Ching is that the, the, the cultural nuance is, is, is a little bit more over this text. So you, you have a sense and a feeling of the, the tradition. You have a sense and a feeling of the time that this text came from. And the stories are a little bit more on point than some of the other translations, which can be actually just stripped of all of the cultural flavoring that, that should still be on the text. You know, That's one of my own pet peeves when people translate text, but they take out the the cultural flavoring of the text because we need to understand the place that these texts came from and also the mind of the people that these texts came from so in saying all that this is the number one text of the year but like i said any of the five texts that i read could have been the number one so that's my top five for the year people i hope you enjoyed my brief summary of those texts Drop a comment below and tell me what books were your favorite this year, whether any of my books were, were your favorite this year. Make sure you like this video. Also share it with your friends. And I hope you're doing well. And all of the books that I've just mentioned, the links for those will be in the description if you're interested in buying any of those. And like I said, I hope you're all doing well. And I'll see you guys in the next video. Shanti, shanti, shanti. Mm -hmm.